Good morning, Origins. It is great to be back with you um, in an undisclosed location, of course, uh, but really, really good to see you guys. I hope that you had an amazing Easter. Our family did. Uh, it was a definitely a different Easter. Um, we got up and my son, who is nine, had written us an Easter book, and so he wanted us to start our Easter morning by reading that as a family, and we got to. Um, it was great to see that he had put thought in, into that, and very good accuracy. I was, as a dad and as a pastor, I was super proud of my nine-year-old son. So really fun. I hope you guys had a great Easter as well. I hope you uh, were able to tune in and worship with us. Um, special thanks to everyone who sent in videos in order to lead us in scripture reading. Uh, this week, we're going to do that again uh, in just a few minutes, but we just wanted to say welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, we still are echoing what we said a few weeks ago. We miss everyone so much. Uh, leadership is just itching to get back together and be a family again and uh, to be able to gather. But in the meantime, not complaining. Uh, we're going to continue to meet like this, to gather while scattered, um, and we're going to make the best of this situation. Again, thank you for being here. Uh, I'm going to pray, and we're going to go into a time of scripture reading uh, led by three of our folks within Origins, and so hopefully you'll join along with us. But let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we can worship through that. Um, God, we thank you for those who have sent in their videos so that we could worship along with them. We pray as we read your word and as we reflect on the goodness of you, God, I pray that it would direct our hearts um, to you and just to a place of awe and wonder. And God, as your word is spoken today, um, I pray that it would be uh, faithful to do what you've told us that it will do, that it will make us more like your son and that it will draw men and women to you. And so, God, we thank you. We love you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Thank you guys uh, for reading along with us. Um, and again, thanks for those who sent in the videos. Uh, we have enjoyed being able to see other people's faces um, over the next coming weeks. Uh, we will continue to do this and continue just to explore ideas that we can worship uh, while scattered. Today, uh, we are going to uh, tackle a familiar passage. Um, to be honest, I could probably count on one hand how many times I've actually heard this passage taught, and it's probably because it is so familiar. And as a matter of fact, Rob Middleton actually read this passage last week as part of our worship before the message. Um, but I'll tell you why I wanted us to, to go over this today and to look at it. Um, I'm normally not a reactionary uh, studier um, or teacher or preacher, um, but I felt like this week would be an opportune time for us to just talk about a few things, some of the emotions that we're feeling and, and some of the things that we're dealing with. When the pandemic kind of started, um, it began as just us hearing information of things that, was, things that were going on around the world. And then when changes started to occur here in the U.S., it just led to almost immediate chaos because we didn't know what was going on. It just, um, it just felt completely out of control. Um, and then the chaos shortly after moved to fear. Um, we see it in the fact that people bought up all of the toilet paper made in the past 10 years. Um, and there was, just, there was just a great amount of fear. And then after the fear has kind of died down a little bit, at least for us where we are, I think now we're resting in this place of just unknown. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know when our businesses are going to reopen. We don't know when our regular paychecks are going to start coming back in. We don't know when our jobs are going to resume. We don't know when we can go out in public and gather with three or more. Um, we don't know when uh, we can shake someone's hand. We just don't know. And not only do we not know, but it's, these are things that are just out of our control. There's nothing we can really do about them. And so as a result of that, it just bring, breeds about in us just some of this inner turmoil, because I don't know about you, but for me, some of the most miserable times in my life have been those times of just where I did not know anything that was going to come next. And it's not so much that I'm a control freak, I probably am, um, but I just, I at least like to know a little bit about what tomorrow holds. Uh, but in this current circumstance, a lot of us, we, we just don't, we have no idea. And so in us, it is just creating this turmoil and this constant stirring and anxiety and worry and fear. Um, and so today, the goal for all of this is to do what we've talked about a lot and so even to do to a degree what um, we tell our kids a lot. We have to let what we know inform what we don't know. And so today, I wanted us to look, about a look at, to a familiar passage, uh, Psalm 23, and I wanted us to see what it's telling us about God and how he, how he deals with us and the things that he does for us. Um, it's a beautiful, simple passage. It was most likely written as a hymn by David. Um, and it just talks about some qualities of God and some things he does as a result of that. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we're just going to read through it. Uh, we're going to talk about what it's saying and then we're just going to address some questions that it brings up and maybe some things that we need to do. Um, pray with me. If you would, that God would direct your heart, that God would speak to you about what he wants you to hear, um, and we'll, we'll get started in just a moment. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we can learn so much about you through your word. Uh, we can learn who you are, what you do, and who you desire for us to be. 
God, as we, as we open your word today and as we read, I pray that we look at it well. We do not add anything or take anything away. Um, and God, we pray that your spirit deals with each one of us that is listening today to your word. Um, God, I pray that not only would we hear, uh, but God, if there is something that we need to do as a result, I pray that uh, your spirit would move in such a way that we would, that we would act. Um, God, thank you for this time. Uh, we love you, and we look forward to worshiping you continually in the days ahead. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open those up to Psalm chapter 23. Um, give you just a couple minutes to get there, and then uh, we will jump right in. Um, again, it's been, it's been such an interesting time. Uh, we are still trying to reach out to as many of you as possible. Um, if we have, have missed you in some way by calling or text, we look forward to hearing from you soon. If you are not involved in one of our Zoom unity groups, as we're calling them now, they're community groups that we're doing through Zoom, we would encourage you to get involved in those. Um, and if you have questions about that, be sure to drop us an email at originsgreenville at gmail.com and uh, we'll get you in touch with a community group leader that can help you out there. All right, so we should be there. Psalm chapter 23, uh, we're going to go ahead and read through all six verses and then we'll come back up to the top to talk. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so this was a psalm written by David, a song of praise, um, and almost kind of a declaration about who God was to David. Um, and so we're going to start at the top in verse 1. The very first thing that we see in verse 1 is it says, The Lord is my shepherd. So David here is identifying the Lord um, as a shepherd. This was something that was common in the Old Testament as well as just in this current culture. It extends all the way into the New Testament. Uh, we see that in John chapter 10, Jesus even identifies himself as the good shepherd. He says that the sheep hear his voice and they know him. Um, and so that was not uncommon. And so when we're thinking about shepherds, um, later shepherds would not be known necessarily as good, but there were some good shepherds. David was even a shepherd. A good shepherd would do a couple things for his sheep. Uh, he would provide for his sheep. Uh, he would guide them to where they needed to go. He would protect them. And a very good shepherd would even love his sheep. Here, David is giving some characteristics to this shepherd that he's calling Lord. Um, and in the very first verse, not only does he say that he's my shepherd, but he says, uh, I shall not want. Just like the prayer series that we just left when we were reading in Matthew chapter 6 about the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. We are looking to God for the things that we need. David here is declaring that the Lord is my shepherd, and the first thing that he does is he gives us what we need, or he gives David what he needs. We can depend on that. Maybe today you, you are kind of in search of that peace. There's so much unknown. You're worrying whether or not you're, you're going to have enough or the things that you need. Here, hopefully, the point of this and the rest of this chapter um, is we are going to get a couple things. Hopefully, uh, we're going to get some, some confidence in the Lord, but also we're going to gain peace from the Lord. Here, how much confidence and peace can it bring us if we know that God is going to provide what we need? From there, he moves on and he says, not only does he provide what we need, he says he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. 
The second thing, this shepherd that David is talking about here, he's saying that he provides rest and he provides peace. Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 uh, talks to people who are worn out, they're tired. Uh, they're worn out from religion. He says, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden, who are just worn down by the weight of it. And he says, I will give you rest. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. David is saying the same thing here just way earlier. He's saying this good shepherd, my Lord, not only does he give me what I need, the tangible things, but in this place, he's giving me rest. Maybe you're exhausted. Maybe this pandemic, the chaos that led to fear that has led to unknown, maybe it's just worn you out. Maybe you're just tired. I know my wife and I, we were there last Thursday. We just uh, had to tell each other and had to admit, and we even told our community group that today's the first day that it's just sunk in, that we are just, we're just tired. We're worn out. How much comfort, how much peace, how much confidence can it give us to know that, that God wants to give us rest? And not only that, uh, it says that he brings peace. He, he leads us beside still waters in the uh, contrasting that to, to rough waters, but he just, he leads us in places of peace. Maybe the turmoil that you're feeling, you're, you're looking for a solution. God here, we're even being told that he can provide that. Next, uh, continuing in verse three, it says that he restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here, David is saying that this shepherd who is my Lord, he gives me what I need. He gives me peace. Uh, he gives me uh, provision. He gives me rest. Not only that, but he's also giving us direction. I think for a lot of people, the craziness, and even within me, like the difficulty of the unknown is I just don't know what's next. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know where we're going next. But here, man, it's great to be reminded, even in this simple hymn, that God provides direction because he's good. He's that good shepherd. He's our Lord. He wants to provide us direction. Maybe that's what you're looking for. Man, scripture's telling us here that he can provide us that direction. But not only does he lead us, he leads us in paths of righteousness. So he's actually leading us towards good works or righteous acts. Um, and so that's good. So there's even times in which we don't know what the next good thing is that we can do. Here, we're being told that God will lead us there, that he can do that. But then there's this qualifier before we move on to the next verse, it says he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I think it's important to understand that he's, he's guiding us and he's guiding us towards good works, but he's also doing it for his glory, but for our good. For his glory, but for our good. Um, I think the, the difficulty with seeking direction in, in things that are going on right now is there are so many voices out there that we have to contend with. And this is in no way saying that we don't listen to the news and we don't listen to experts. But in this particular place, I think we are reminded that if we are looking for ultimate guidance on what to do next, we need to turn to God. We need to view all the things that we're hearing through the lens of Scripture and through the lens of the way in which God is dealing with us and directing us today. Um, we're being told here, just in the echoing of, of David's heart, that God is good, he's a good shepherd, he's his Lord, and he is leading him in paths of righteousness. He's making the place that he needs to step next known, and he's showing it to him. But it's for our good, but it's for God's glory. It's important to note um, that it's just not stuff. It's just not uh, good choices, but it's, it's choices that God desires for us to make that are going to lead to his glory, which ultimately his glory is revealed in, in seeing more and more people come to know him, more and more people come to depend on him, more and more people actually calling him Lord and letting him be their shepherd. So he continues on 
He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He goes through all of those things. And then in verse four, continuing this idea of being a shepherd, it says, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thick, thick verse right here. The first thing that we see is that as a result of the Lord being our shepherd, we can have confidence because he is with us. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I do, I hear that Shane and Shane song whenever I, I read this, um, but it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Um, I like to think that no matter where I take my children, if I am with them, they're not afraid. Um, I remember reading a Max Licato story several years ago, and I still don't know how all these things happened to him, but I remember him talking about leading his daughter and walking uh, at night throughout their neighborhood to a place that she had never been and holding her hand, looking down, and he even asked her, he was like, uh, darling or honey, whatever that word was that he used, he was like, are you not afraid? And she just looked up and said, no, daddy, I'm not afraid. I'm with you. And so as cheesy as that story sounds, I think that there's great truth in that for us to know that no matter how dark the days get, um, no matter how much it feels like death is overshadowing everything, or if we're in the valley, or if it's just hard, or whatever metaphor we want to use, if we're with God, we do not have to be afraid, because His presence should build great confidence in us. It should be the presence that overcomes fear. David's saying that exact same thing, and I think even coming from David's place, understand that the valleys of the shadow of death that he had been through were probably far greater than ours. I mean, David, even up at this point, he had been through some incredibly dark and distressing times. And he can say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. The fact that God is with us, just like he tells us at the end of the Great Commission, like we read in Matthew chapter 28 of Jesus saying, and lo, I will be with you always. That should bolster our confidence. That should conquer the fear that is in us, even in the times of the unknown. And then he says this, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A shepherd would always carry a couple things, or most of the time would carry a couple things. He would carry a rod and a staff. The rod would be a short, heavier club that was most of the time used um, as either a defensive tool or a tool for correction. If the sheep was getting out of line or going to the wrong place or doing something that a sheep should not do, it might be a quick wrap or a tap, or something like that to correct or to discipline. And then the staff would be like that shepherd's crook that we've seen. And sometimes that was to grab a sheep around the neck and guide them back into line, or oftentimes it was also used as a defensive tool. In this place here, looking at God being a good shepherd, the Lord being my shepherd, David is saying, I am even comforted. I, am even, I even feel better to know that you are there to correct me and discipline me and also protect me. The job of a shepherd. Sometimes sheep would veer off. They would go the wrong way. And it was up to the shepherd not to let them go, but to correct them, to bring them back. Sometimes it would be a word. Sometimes it would be the, the shepherd's crook. Sometimes it would be a tap or a rap of discipline, something like that. But it's good to know that God loves us enough to not let us veer off the path that we need to be on, that he's going to bring us back. Again, it should build our confidence. No one wants to be disciplined, but if we understand at the heart of discipline from God, it is to bring us back to the place that we need to be. That should build great confidence. I think in this time too, there's, there's probably a lot of great and deep temptation to just, man, go off the deep end. Hear the word of God, hear the correction of God, hear the discipline that comes from the word of God very often to stay true, to be steadfast would be the word that the Psalms use a lot. Stay steadfast, stay just 
man, convictedly optimistic that God's way is right and we're going to stay on that path. But not only is it the, the rod, but it's also the staff. And the staff very often represents the fact that the shepherd at times would have to protect his sheep from things that were trying to come in. Deliver us from the evil one, as the Lord's Prayer said, that we, we looked at over the past several weeks. Man, it should build great confidence and great peace to know that God is protecting us even when we cannot protect ourselves. Um, I think in the midst of this uncertainty, there's a lot of things that can possibly come in and try to, try to take over our minds and, and assault us like mentally and assault us spiritually, but there are also outside forces that are sometimes are physical. Man, God's on watch. He's a good shepherd. He's there to protect us. So those are the first places that David said, uh, this is what my God is. This is what the Lord is. He's a shepherd. And then he changes gears because there's a second aspect to the way in which David is going to look at God. And it's a little more subtle. In verse five, it, he changes gears and he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The second way that David is going to identify his Lord is he's going to say this, or he would say something similar, that the Lord is a gracious and hospitable host. A gracious and hospitable host. He's a shepherd in the way in which he guides, he protects, he provides, he, he redirects, he does all of those things. But in this place, it's talking about the fact that he is a great uh, hospitable host. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And this one takes a little bit of mental exercise to figure out. But imagine, if you will, um, we are in the presence of our enemies because it's war. It's wartime. Uh, our modern soldiers, what they would readily have to eat would be MREs, meals ready to eat. They come prepackaged with everything that you need uh, for all of your vitamins and minerals and proteins and carbohydrates and fats, just in one neat little brown package. Even There's even ramblings and rumblings to say that that gum that's in there is even um, a, a just the right amount of laxative to keep other things going as well. But everything that you need is in that little brown package, but it's not meant to be laid out on a table and enjoyed like a feast. No, it's meant to be, to, to be eaten in a foxhole or to be eaten in a Humvee or to be eaten on the road or on the move. It's not meant to be laid out before you. But here, Jesus is being a hospitable host. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even when we are surrounded with our enemies, this good, gracious host is laying the food out on a table and he's saying, I'm your host. I'll take care of you. Sit and eat. Sit and eat. Just feel the peace in this idea that even though the world is going crazy around us, this generous, hospitable host that is also our God says, look, I'm going to take care of you to such a degree that I'm going to provide for you time to metaphorically and maybe even literally just to, just to sit and eat. And how much confidence, how much peace does this idea bring to know that he's such a good host that while we're in his house, he's going to provide for us space and time and peace. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. This anointing with oil is just Man, just an image of blessings is saying that you're pouring your blessings out on me when I'm in your home and my cup overflows. I don't have just enough 
but I have more than enough. This is not prosperity gospel. This is not saying that we're gonna be, uh, just have all the wealth that we can imagine, but it means that while we're under God's care in his place, which we'll get to in a minute, he's going to take care of us. He's going to provide. And maybe some of you just need the peace to know that when we are with God, he's going to take care of us. Even in the midst of uncertainty, even in the, the midst of unknown, man, we need to depend on his faithfulness. His faithfulness. We need to let what we know inform what we don't. And then he says, And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David is saying, Even in the midst of chaos, I can know that no matter what, God's goodness and his mercy, they're going to follow me as long as I live, and I will dwell with him forever. I will dwell with him forever. Those who have been bought with the price that is Jesus' body, that is Jesus' blood, we can have great confidence in knowing even apart from my faithfulness or lack of, God's never going to depart from me. His goodness and his mercy are never going to leave me alone and we get to dwell with him, to live with him forever, forever. So there's so much beautiful assurance in this particular passage. It should bring great peace. It should bring great great confidence. Um, And it can be just as true for us as it was for David. But, but, I think here are the questions. The questions are, what about the times in David's life where these things were not true? Because we see them. We see that there were many times in which David was being chased and he was in need, or there were times in which David, uh, he went after Bathsheba and he had her husband killed and he was, he was in sin and these things were not so clearly true. What about those times? Well, I think in those times there, there are some things that we can point out, some of the similarities between us and David. I think there are times in which sin will lead us elsewhere. If we can look at these things and we can say that they're not true and we are followers of Jesus and we can say, well, why is this not occurring? I think there are times in which sin has led us elsewhere. We've seen it with David, and and I can probably guess that you've seen it in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been enticed by sin away, and, and it's not that you were forgetting about God, but you just weren't following Jesus, and you didn't feel these things so readily. You didn't feel that he was your shepherd, and there was nothing that you needed. He, he, you didn't feel the peace, and you didn't feel the rest that he was promising, because you had been led elsewhere. I think in those times in which we were led elsewhere, we're reminded uh, of, of 1 John, and it tells us that if, if we have sin, we need to confess and repent, and God is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, restore that relationship with those laws, just like we talked about again in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts with us or those who have trespassed against us. Confess, repent, be brought back. I think that there are other times in which we don't, we don't necessarily feel this the way that we could. And I think uh, that those are the times in which uh, we have wanted to be our own Lord instead of allowing Jesus to be our Lord. I think those are the times in which uh, we didn't want to submit ourselves to the leadership of Jesus. We did not want to bear his yoke, even though it was light and it was easy. We wanted to make our own. We wanted to make our own way. We see it with the prodigal son. He was living with his father. He had everything that he needed. And one day he just said, you know, dad, I don't want your way anymore. Give me my inheritance so that I may leave and do with it as I want. 
There are times when we don't see all of these things, just like the prodigal son. He found himself in great need. He found himself starving. He found himself in the midst of famine, and he had hired himself out to someone to feed the pigs, and he looked at what he fed the pigs, and he was like, man, I don't even eat that good. And what does he do? He turns back to his dad. In order for Jesus and God to be our shepherd, he must be our Lord first. In order for God to be our shepherd, he must be our Lord first. The answer here is we need to remember that Jesus wants to be our Lord. He wants to be the one to direct our hearts. He wants to be the one to guide us in these paths of righteousness. He wants to be the one to say, hey, step here, step there for our good and for his glory. Man, what do we do if, if we have wanted to be our Lord more than we've wanted God to be our Lord? And I think the first thing that we do is we stop again, just like we're told, we confess, we repent. And we, we ask Jesus to lead and we yield control. And I know that's not easy, but there's great peace there to know that if he's our shepherd and he's our Lord, he's going to do these things. Remember with the disciples in the very beginning, all he said was come and follow me. I think some of us just need to let go of this idea that we can give our lives over to God through Jesus just for salvation that leads to heaven. And we also have to admit that we need to follow Jesus. It's not about getting out of hell and getting into heaven. It's about following Jesus. For some of us, we just need to say, okay, Jesus, I just want to follow. Wherever you lead, I'll go. <laughs> In the words of the old hymn, for those of us who have wanted to be our own Lord, maybe it's just time to give up and admit, we can't be that, but Jesus can. Jesus be my Lord. And I think there's a third time maybe in which these things were not true for us and maybe they weren't true for David. I think it's maybe a time when we didn't know that God could actually be all these things to us. Maybe it was a time and it was just, it was just ignorance. Not ignorance in necessarily the bad way to call someone ignorant, but just the idea, the, the idea and the place in which we didn't know, but now we can. You can hear and you can know that, that God wants to be your good shepherd. He wants to take care of what you need. He wants you to, to give you green pastures and lead you beside still waters. He wants to provide rest and peace for you. He wants to provide guidance for you that is for your good and for his glory. He wants you to know that when you are with him, you do not have to be afraid. He wants you to know. Today you can know. Maybe you've sat in church your entire life and you didn't know that God wants to give you peace. That he wants to calm the storms that are constantly surrounding you. Maybe you're the person that walks around in constant turmoil and you need to hear that that does not have to be true. And maybe today you just, you just need to say, God, I want you to be this for me. I didn't know you could. I, I want you to be this for me. And that may mean that you have to do what we talked about in that second scenario. You have to let go of control. You have to yield control. Maybe it means exactly what we said in that first part. You need to confess sin and deal with it. Maybe you've never done like we talked about in Romans 10 last week, that you need to confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead so that you could be saved. Maybe you've never done that and you need to do that today. But maybe you've just been, maybe you've just been on the fringes for a long time. I don't want to insult you, but maybe you've been a very good churchgoer. 
but you've never actually tucked in behind Jesus. Maybe you didn't know you were supposed to. For that, I apologize. On behalf of whomever you didn't hear it from, Jesus doesn't desire just to get us out of hell and get us into heaven. He desires that we give our lives over to him so that we can follow him for his name's sake, to be led in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Maybe today, for whatever reason, you just need to say, Jesus, I'll follow. I'll follow. I want to reread this again. And if you want to, read it out loud with me. I think there's, man, there's such great confidence and such great peace that rests here in the words of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Today, confidence and peace through Jesus are entirely possible. They're entirely possible. This would be my encouragement for you this week. If you have been through these stages of chaos to fear to unknown, and it is it is wrecking you on the inside, or maybe it's just bothering you. Maybe it's wearing you out. Whatever it is, I would encourage you for the next seven days until we get back together next Sunday, read this or recite it every day. There's nothing magical in it. This is not an incantation. This is not, nothing like that, but it's just to remind us of what God wants to do and who he wants to be for us. Get up tomorrow morning, read Psalm 23. Get up Tuesday morning, read Psalm 23. Get up Wednesday morning, read Psalm 23. By Thursday, you should have it memorized. By Friday, you can recite it. By Saturday, you can recite it again. And by Sunday, we'll gather together again to talk about how good God is and who he wants you to be. Let me pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the comfort and the peace and the confidence we can have through you. God, I pray for, the, for those that are out there today and they're just, they're struggling because of the unknown. They don't know where their next step, step goes. They don't know about their next meal. They don't know about their next paycheck. God, I pray, I pray that they would turn to you entirely for eternal peace, but also, Father, uh, for rest, for guidance, for comfort. I pray that they would allow you to host them in your house for eternity. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the peace that it brings. And I even thank you for the questions that it brings up that make us think. God, thank you for allowing us to turn to you. I pray through this week that you would speak through these simple words and that you would remind us of what we have in you 
the peace and the confidence that we can have. Lord, we love you. We thank you for being our shepherd. We thank you for being our Lord. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you guys for being with us again today. Um, we look forward to uh, gathering together next week. Um, if you need anything in the meantime, uh, please remember you can email us. You can uh, find us on Facebook or any way else that you might be able to track us down. Uh, there is that prayer tab on the top of the website. Uh, feel free to let us know how we can be praying for you. Uh, we would love to do that. Um, and if there's just a need bigger than you know what you can do with, bigger than you know how to handle, uh, please reach out. Let us know. Again, I, I think the church um, should be the, the first place that we turn. Unfortunately, the church has lost trust a lot over the years, but, but I want you to know that if you're listening, you can trust us. We would love to help you if we can. Please reach out. Um, we thank you for being family. We thank you for being together even while we're scattered, and we look forward to being together soon. Have a great week.